Well, we are continuing an eight-week series that we have been on, on Celebrate Recovery. We're calling it The Road to Recovery. This is a message series that did not originate with us. It was taught by Pastor Rick Warren out of Saddleback Church in California, and it is where Celebrate Recovery was birthed. And we have seen, they have seen millions of people go through this program and find freedom in Jesus because the entire thing, it's not just a recovery program, it is a discipleship ministry. And people find freedom from their hurts, habits, and hangups because every principle, every step of Celebrate Recovery is based on the Word of God. It is all truth, it is Jesus. And we have now been having our, our public meetings here for four weeks, and we are already seeing God doing what he does, and that is bringing transformation and freedom into people's lives. It's amazing. And I really don't think we're going to want to stop this series um, because it's just been so good. And every week it just seems to, to, to get more and more challenging personally, but it, it's a good challenging. It's the Holy Spirit who is working in us, who's bringing correction and who's challenging us, and he does it always in love, in grace. It's never shame and guilt. If you're hearing shame, guilt, and condemnation, it's not the voice of the Father. Tune it out. That's not how the Holy Spirit works. So our theme verse for this series, by the way, today's message is repairing relationships. Buckle up, because uh, we were listening to this message and, and prepping for it, and oh my goodness, just... Um, it's so good, it's so needed, but it's hard. And so forewarning you, um, today is about Please forgiveness. Please forgive us. Yes. <laughs> the whole message is about forgiveness, so just get your forgiveness ready. Okay, that's, right. that's all. <laughs> Our theme verse for this series, The Road to Recovery, is Isaiah 57, 18, and 19. It's on the screens out of the Passion Translation. This is the Father speaking. Even though I've seen their ways, I will heal them. I will guide them forward and repay them with comfort. Isn't this awesome? God is like, I've seen their ways, I've seen their wickedness, I've seen their sin, and you know what I'm gonna do to repay them for it? I'm gonna heal them. I'm gonna repay them with comfort. I'm gonna give mourners the language of praise. I offer peace to those who are far from me, and I offer peace to those who are near, and I will heal their deepest wounds, says Yahweh. So this eight-part series, if we take the word recovery and break it down into eight letters, each letter represents a step. So the first step, Rick Warren calls it the reality step. Realize I'm not God. How many of you need to be brought back to reality sometimes? We need to realize I'm not God. I'm not in control. I admit that I am powerless, it's on the screens, powerless to control my tendency to do the wrong thing, and my life is unmanageable. Let's preface this, remember, this is before Christ. Before him, my life is completely unmanageable, and I am powerless to control my tendency to do the wrong thing. But the next step, we call it the hope step. Earnestly believe that God exists, that I matter to him, and that he has the power to help me recover. I am powerless, but I know who holds the power to bring transformation and freedom. Third step, C, the commitment step. Consciously choose to commit all of my life and will to Christ's care and control. Step four, the house cleaning step. Openly examine and confess my faults to myself, to God, and to someone I trust. We have to confess our faults one to another, right? James 5, 16, confess your faults one to another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Step five, the transformation step. Me and Bradley Fields last week, we got to tag team this. Didn't Bradley do an awesome job last Sunday? So good. And... To end the message, him and Danielle shared their testimony, and if you were not here for last week, you need to get on our YouTube channel. You can go through the entire, if you don't, if you, uh, don't wanna listen to the message, you can, it's, it's awesome, but you need to go all the way to where their testimony begins and listen to their testimony. It is incredible, um, so do that. But we, uh, we taught last week, step five, 
transformation step, voluntarily submit to every change God wants to make in my life and humbly ask him to remove my character defects. In today's step, today's step, we're gonna do a little bit of relational repair work. Going back through our history and trying to repair some of the damage that's been done to us and some of the damage that we've done to other people. This step, let me say, it takes gut level honesty. But it is absolutely essential if you truly wanna live in the complete freedom that Jesus came, lived, and died to give you, this step is essential. Here it is, E, evaluate all my relationships. Everybody say all. All All our relationships. Evaluate all my relationships, offer forgiveness to those who've hurt me and make amends for harm I've done to others except when to do so would harm them or others. So we need to offer, it's, it's two parts. We have to offer forgiveness to those who have hurt us, but then we also need to make amends with those we have hurt. It's two part. It's all based off of Ephesians 4, 31 through 32. Lay aside bitter words, temper tantrums, revenge, profanity, and insults, but instead be kind and affectionate towards one another. Has God graciously forgiven you? Then graciously forgive one another in the depths of Christ's love. Two parts to this step. Forgive those who have hurt me and make amends with those I've hurt. We have to admit both. Regardless, here's the thing. Someone that you hurt, it may not have even been your intention. It may not have been what you you meant, but recognizing the fact I still hurt them. My actions, it wasn't my intention to do so, but I still hurt them. And so I need to make amends with those I've hurt. And I also need to offer forgiveness to those who have hurt me through what they said, what they did. In each of these parts, we're gonna look at the why and the how. Why do I need to do this? And how do I need to do it? In part one, forgive those who have hurt me. The reason why I said forgive us, because get ready, it's getting deep. Because when we were doing this message prep, if I'm gut level honest with you, I was a little bit defensive. And when you recognize that you're defensive about forgiveness in some area of your life, you recognize there's forgiveness that needs to happen in that area of your life, right? You guys agree, you with me? Hey, you don't ever feel that way? You're like, I don't need to do that, I'm good. Okay, so that's why I was making the joke. Please extend your grace to us this morning, but know that we're doing this out of the love of the Father to us and through us, and that when we get free from the hurts, habits, and hangups of the past, we get free. We are new creation in Christ, and so we can't hang on to the things, the damage that's been done. We can't redo it. We can't fix it. We can't make it better. We can't try and, you know, we've talked about this. But this step for me was like, oh boy. Okay, so I'm in the middle of it. I'll be real with you. And so many times I hear, I can't forgive that person. You don't know what they've done to me. I can forgive this, this, and this, but that I can never forgive. And a gut check is Jesus never said that. He wasn't on the cross hanging there saying, they took my clothes, I can't forgive them for that. They, they struck me, I can't forgive them for that. They're gonna sin against me, I can't forgive them for that. And we're challenged by the word of God that no matter what the hurt is, no matter what we've suffered, no matter what we've gone through, and this is the hardest part, we have to extend the same forgiveness that we have received. Deep breaths. I forgive those who've hurt me. Why? Why do I need to do it? Number one, because God forgave me. Because God has forgiven me. Who am I to hold a grudge? 
Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Did it say some who offend you? Come on, church, we're living in a culture right now where offense is high. I mean, you look at the signs going down the street and you're like, oh, I'm offended. Right? It says forgive instantly anyone who offends you. I added the instant. That's Leslie's version. But forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Colossians 3.13. And I think there's something in that. I said that accidentally, but I said instantly. I I think the longer we hold on to an offense, the more it takes root in our heart and bitterness gets a hold of us. And we turn into a person that we're trying to hurt. And we're becoming the person that is hurting someone else. When I realize how much God has forgiven me, it makes me a whole lot, it makes it a whole lot easier to forgive someone else. Those who are forgiven much, forgive much. We're all equal at the foot of the cross. Yes? Is there anyone in here without sin? Right? I will never have to forgive anyone else more than God has forgiven me. When we have a hard time forgiving others, it's usually because we don't feel forgiven. Listen, when we have a hard time forgiving others, we, it's usually because we don't feel forgiven. So this isn't just extending forgiveness to those who have hurt me, but it's also forgiving myself for maybe something I have done that I know has hurt me. And not just that, but receiving the Lord's forgiveness, right? We're going to get there. If God's freely forgiven me, I need to freely forgive others. I feel like I need to come and hug you all. (laughs) But are we forgiven? We say it when we take communion. I say this often. We're not partially forgiven. He took care of the whole thing. We're completely forgiven. So who am I to hold anyone's sin against them? I forgive because God has forgiven me. Number two, because resentment doesn't work. Hmm. What does resentment do to us? It poisons us from the inside out. It's unreasonable, unhelpful, and unhealthy. Job 5.2 says, Surely resentment destroys the fool and jealousy kills the simple. I love the word of God. It just says it straight, doesn't it? Resentment destroys. Jealousy kills. This is no joke. When we resent someone, when we hold unforgiveness in our heart towards someone, what happens to us? Does resentment cause people to do stupid things? Yes. In the Three Stooges, Mo is always slapping Curly in the chest. So Curly gets this bright idea to strap dynamite to his chest. That'll teach him. Blow off his hand and blow himself up. That's what resentment does. It's a poison. Mo and Curly, they're so spiritual. (laughs) Those stooges know what they're doing. You always hurt yourself more than the other person. Job 18.4 says, you are only hurting yourself with your anger. Resentment can't change the past, correct the problem, or hurt the person. They may have forgotten what happened. It's only hurting you. Let me say that again. Resentment can't change the past. You can't correct the problem or hurt the person. They may have forgotten what happened, and it's only hurting you. Some men stay healthy till the day they die. Others have no happiness at all. They live and die with bitter hearts. Job 21, 23 through 25. I want to say that again. Some men stay healthy till they die. Others have no happiness at all. They live and die with bitter hearts. Oh, dear. So what, what does resentment rob us of? Joy, 
peace, happiness, health. Research shows the unhealthiest emotion people can have is resentment. It's like a cancer that eats you alive. It's a poison. Dr. S.I. McMillan wrote a book showing the two greatest causes of physical problems in your life are guilt and resentment. He said, it's not so much what you eat, but what eats you. Anybody have an ulcer? (laughs) Acid reflux, heart pains, chest pains, pain and stress in your muscles. I'm not saying that it's all from that, okay? Don't take that that way. But I'm saying when you're in a situation and you're holding resentment towards someone, it will manifest. It will manifest either in your actions, in your speech, or in your physical body. I'm, I'm speaking from experience. Resentment and bitterness, past things we hold on to, have emotional and physical consequences, stress, depression, fatigue. Unforgiveness is like drinking poison, hoping it'll hurt the other person. Unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping it'll hurt the person that hurt me. So this is serious, yes? But it is also the most powerful thing. Because when we, okay, I'm getting ahead of myself, okay. Because God has forgiven me, I can forgive others. And because resentment doesn't work, I need to forgive others. And because I need forgiveness in the future. The Bible is very clear that when we don't extend forgiveness, he won't extend forgiveness. That is a tough one to hear. And you know, in the Lord's Prayer, this isn't in the notes, but in the Lord's Prayer, which is my favorite. Oh, I have a lot of favorites. But when you pray the Lord's Prayer, it says, I forgive those who, help me, I just lost it. Trespass against me. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, right? Thank you. I've got a lot of versions going in my head. Forgive us as we forgive our debtors. And then again, at the end of the prayer, Jesus says again, and don't forget to forgive. You can't pray this prayer and and it hit heaven's ears and his heart if you're not in a place of receiving and giving forgiveness continually. Yeah? And whenever you stand praying, if you find that you carry something in your heart against another person, release him and forgive him so that your Father in heaven will also release you and forgive you of your faults, Mark eleven twenty five. Resentment locks feeling God's forgiveness in your life. It stops you from feeling his forgiveness, from knowing his forgiveness. When you don't extend, when you hold resentment, when you have a root of bitterness towards someone for what they've done to you, it stops you from receiving the forgiveness and knowing the forgiveness of the Almighty God. And I don't want to stand in that place. It's dangerous to pray the Lord's Prayer, Lord, forgive me as much as I've forgiven everyone else. Do you really want that? Forgive me as much as I've forgiven everyone else. Someone came to John Wesley and said, I could never forgive that person. And John Wesley said, then I hope you never sin. I'm done now. Great transition, honey. Oh, so how do I do it? Leslie told, told us why we need to forgive. How? How do I begin forgiving those who have hurt me? Number one, reveal my hurt. Admit it. Let it out. Face it. Be honest. This is not the time to be a man. Say, ouch. Yeah, it hurt. What you did hurt. What happened to me, it hurt. Stop living in denial and admit it. I'm hurt. I'm wounded. You can't get over hurt until you admit it actually hurt. Rick Warren says this, there is no closure without disclosure. Read that. 
There is no closure without disclosure, disclosing something, bringing something into the light, admitting it, facing it. There is no closure without disclosure. And you need to get over it. I don't mean get over it and get over it. Just get over it, right? Just, you know, rub some dirt on it, walk it off, you'll be fine. It's not what I'm talking about. You need to get over it. You need to find freedom and healing and restoration no matter how in control you think you are. Many times we don't want to admit that someone we love has hurt us. It's hard to admit it sometimes because we have a misunderstanding of thinking that um, we can't love someone and be angry at them at the same time. You can And it's okay to admit that someone you love has hurt you. We have options, though, for dealing with our hurt, don't we? We can repress it, just pretend that it's not there. It doesn't exist. Ignorance is bliss. Not looking at it, not looking at it. Nope, not gonna acknowledge its existence. I'm not hurting, I'm fine, everything's good, I'm cool. Right? We can suppress it. It's no big deal. Everybody goes through things like this, or here's my favorite, who am I to, you know, need to talk to someone about this? Who am I to um, really acknowledge how much this hurt me when, when look at what they go through? It's so much worse. It's so much worse. I've heard people say that about Celebrate Recovery. They're sitting in their small groups, and they're like, I don't want to share because, man, what I got going on is nothing compared to what they got going on. And we keep it inside. And we feel like it's so minimal. My pain, my pain is so minimal compared to what someone else has going on. And so we lock it up and we don't share it. You can repress it, suppress it, or confess it, admit it. What's an easy way to do this? Rick Warren, he's really into lists. So he says, make a list of those who have harmed you, what they said, what they thought, what they did. Just write it out and begin acknowledging, yes, this person hurt me. I'm still hanging on to this. So we have to acknowledge it. The second thing, release my offender. Here's where it gets hard. Release my offender. We have to stop holding on to the hurt. How do we do that? By forgiveness. And this does not take your willpower. This takes his power, the Holy Spirit's power, because there are some people sitting in this room today, the things that have happened to you are unimaginable. And you're not going to get over it by trying harder or by pretending it didn't happen. Forgiveness. Don't wait until they ask for it. Don't say, well, I'll forgive them, but not until they come. Not until they, not until they say, I'm sorry. Then I'll forgive them. Because what if that day never comes? And, and here's reality check. You're not forgiving them for their sake. You're forgiving them for your sake. Yeah. The prisoner that forgiveness frees is not them, it's you. Unforgiveness is like a jail cell. Forgive immediately because God immediately forgives you. He's immediately forgiven me. When you ask, he forgives He doesn't say, no, you gotta prove yourself first, then I'll forgive you. He's way, way better than that. Leslie kind of alluded to this. Miracles happen in your life when you let go of situations that hurt you. Miracles happen when you let go. Uh, There was a story Rick Warren was telling about a lady in uh, their their city who her eye was um, deteriorating. And she had been to the doctor and the doctor said, there's nothing we can do for you. So she attends their church, and Rick actually speaks a message that Sunday on resentment. Go figure. And she realizes that there have been things she has been harboring in her heart that she didn't even realize was there. And during those moments, she completely lets go of the resentment she's held on to. And the moment she walks out out of Saddleback Church, her eye is completely restored. 
because resentment affects us, not just spiritually, not mentally, not even just emotionally, but physically as well. When you swallow your pride, your stomach keeps score, right? Then Peter, this is Matthew, came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? Like Peter's thinking he's all super spiritual. Like, I'm gonna impress Jesus, you watch. Hey guys, check this out. Jesus, if somebody sins against me, I should forgive him, what, like seven times, right? Because I'm spiritual, right? And Jesus replies, no, Peter, not seven times, but 70 times seven. Somebody's doing the math right now, like seven times seven. <laughs> Zero, carry that over, okay. <laughs> Bradley just did it. <laughs> Pulled out his phone. Wonderful. What's the answer? 490 times. Let me ask you a question. Has it, have you ever had to forgive someone more than 490 times? Maybe. Maybe. Don't point at your wife. Somebody, I'm not even going to call him out. You probably know who it is. <clears throat> Jesus is not speaking literally. Forgiveness is a process sometimes. Listen to me. Sometimes forgiveness isn't an immediate thing. Sometimes what has happened to you, there are so many levels of damage and hurt that you've, you have forgiven them. And then something else you didn't even know was there comes up and you have to forgive them again and forgive them again. And that's okay. Because every time you step more into that forgiveness, you're stepping more into freedom. Yes. Forgiveness is possible because it's not dependent upon your power. It's the Holy Spirit. Now, here we go. How do you know you have fully forgiven someone? How do you know you fully release someone? Listen to this. You can think about them and it doesn't hurt. You can pray for God's blessing on their lives. Wow. Now listen to this. And you can begin to see their hurt instead of just how they hurt you. You can be, begin to understand instead of focusing on how they've hurt you. Now, that is how you know if you've fully and completely forgiven someone, you can pray God's blessing over their lives. And you can begin to understand why hurt people hurt people. Doesn't mean that you forget what happened. Forgive and forget. We've all heard that. That is a complete lie. You don't forget. Let me clarify, because the word does say that God forgives our sin and he forgets it. He, he, he remembers it no more as far as the east is from the west. What that's saying, though, is God no longer holds it against us. The penalty for our actions has already been paid. If you are in Jesus and you sin tomorrow, it's already been paid for by what he did 2,000 years ago. He is that good. Where in the world am I at? Um, you don't forget what happened, but you can fully release the pain. Like an abusive relationship, it's not wise to forget what happened and just, oh, I forgive him, so I'll just go right back into his house. Oh, I, I know what she did to me, but I've forgiven her, so I can fully trust her again. No, it's not what it's saying. But forgiveness means I no longer harbor any resentment towards them for what they did. I no longer hold their actions against them. Sometimes it's not advisable or even possible to go back to the person that hurt you. They may not even be alive anymore. They may have completely remarried and moved on. And it's probably not a wise idea to go back to them and to rehearse the past. It may be something your parents did to you 40 years ago, and it's not right to go back and just drop a bomb on them that they have no idea even happened. So what do you do in that situation? 
Rick Warren calls it the empty chair technique. You get an empty chair and you sit it in front of you and then you sit down and you pretend that person is there. And you say, this is how you hurt me. This is what you did to me. But because of the forgiveness that I have received, I fully and completely forgive you. Or you write a letter that you never mail. You never give to the person. You shred it up or you burn it after you write it. But you detail everything. You get it out. Get it out of you. And then release it and say, in Jesus' name, I forgive them. I no longer harbor anything towards them. Step three, replace hurt with God's peace. Colossians 3, let your heart always be guided by the peace of the anointed one who called you to peace as a part of his body. How? How do we do that? We say, why? It's not fair. If I forgive them, if I truly let the peace of Jesus reign in my life and I forgive them, they get away with it. And I want to hold, I want to remind them of what they did. I want to hold on to it because it's not fair. If I forgive them, they get away. Let God settle the score. He is a just God. He is a righteous God. Revenge has nothing to do with the life of a believer. That's a tactic of the enemy. Peace is not the absence of something. It's the presence of someone. Let me remind you, God never wastes pain. If you go through something painful, God never wastes the pain. All right, we're gonna move quick here. So, we've just, we dealt with forgiving others for the pain that they've caused. Now what about the second half? Make amends to those I've hurt. Why, why do I need to do that? Because unresolved relationships are the root of your problem. Whether we wanna admit that or not, I heard that at first and I'm like, absolutely not. No, they're not. Rick, you're wrong. No, it is absolutely the truth. Think about it for a minute. Most of the issues and things we deal with in our lives, it's because we have unresolved relationships with people. If they only knew this, right? You keep replaying the past over and over in your mind. And they prevent recovery from happening, unresolved relationships. Hebrews 12, 15, look at the screens. Make sure that no one lives with the root of bitterness sprouting within them which will only cause trouble and poison the hearts of many. The reason you can't get over your hurt, habit, or hang-up is because you're holding on to some unresolved relationships, and they must be dealt with if you want to live in complete freedom and the abundant life that Jesus came to give you. We need to acknowledge this morning something. There are relationships in your life that are damaged because it's your fault. There are relationships in my life that are damaged because, okay, it may not be all your fault, it may not be all my fault, but I have my role that I've played in the relationship. And we need to admit that. It's hard, and it's painful, and it's humbling. But we need to admit where we have erred and do all that we can to make restitution in these relationships. How do we do that, Pastor Leslie? Okay, so number one, if you're making a list, make a list. It says make a list of those I've harmed and hurt and what I did. Not this person, and they did this, so I did this. No, what did I do? Make a list. Maybe you owe someone money. And you never kept your word and paid them back. Rick Warren talks about paying back his sister, that he took money from her when they were kids. And he went to her. He did this inventory of his past and, and, and of his relationships. And one of the things he had to do was go pay his sister back for money he took from her. It sounds silly, but no, it's freeing. It's freedom. Broken promises. Over-controlling over-possessive, hypercritical, abusive verbally, emotionally, physically, forgetting, unfaithful, lying. Guys, if you forgot your anniversary, you need to do something about it. (laughs) 
Travis has never done that. And he made that clear to me the other night. I'm like, good job, honey. You've never forgotten. That's good. <laughs> this is a tough one. And this is where pride has to bow. Because when I sit down and I think about, I never did anything. They were the ones. Right? So we have to sit down and truly be honest. And I'm telling you, there's so much freedom in this. Come on, there's so much freedom. When we examine how we have behaved and how, when we get it out, number two, it says, think how I'd want others to make amends to me. Do to others as you would have them do to you, Luke 6.31. Sometimes I'm selfish and I want it fixed now. So I, want, I go to the person, and it is the completely wrong time. They're not in the right headspace. They had no idea I was going to come and do this, and it was my time and not the right time for them. So we have to set aside, yes, I know I need to apologize. I'm going to go to you right now, and I'm going to do it right now, and there's like 20 people around, and there's just the worst possible timing. I'm really good at that. <laughs> So taking a step back and saying, what's the right time for them? Don't drop a bomb on someone as they're walking out the door or about to go to sleep at night. Sorry. <laughs> Make amends when it is best for them. <sighs> sorry, I'm so sorry. <laughs> this is not the right time, is it? <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> The right attitude. I'm sorry I hurt you. That's what kids do. <laughs> Say you're sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Is that the right attitude, right? No. Okay, we know that. You have to have the right attitude. We will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ. Woo! Ephesians 4.15. You come with humility and sincerity. Not justifying yourself. That is really hard to do. I did it because you did this. So, but I'm sorry that I did it because you did this. But I'm sorry. That's not it. Right? We know. We can't make excuses. They may have a part in the problem, but you are owning your part. And making restitution if possible. Owing money borrowed something, etc. Never underestimate the power of a sincere apology. This gives you freedom and confidence. And number three, is it appropriate? Reckless words are like the thrust of a sword, cutting remarks meant to stab and to hurt, but the words of the wise soothe and heal. Proverbs 12, 18. Sometimes it would be unwise to go back to the person you hurt. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone, Romans 12, 18. So you have to know, is this appropriate? You're not going to go back to your ex who's in another relationship and stir up trouble in that relationship. But if it's possible, you can make amends, but it has to be good with, I'm just using this as an example, it has to be good with both husband and wife, you know? You can't just walk up to your ex and say, I need to talk to him or I need to talk to her and push the, the, the other spouse away. That, that is not going to work, right? Right? Okay. <laughs> we have to know when the timing is appropriate. And you know what, too? I want to add this. This is Leslie's add. The Holy Spirit will help you with this. You're not alone in this. And when you humble yourself, he will give you the power to walk it out because he wants you as free as you want to be free. Yes? And then number three, refocus my life. Refocus on living out God's will in my life. As long as you focus on someone you resent, you allow them to control you. You eventually begin to resemble the person you resent i.e., I will never be like my father. I will never be like my brother. You're right here, sorry. <laughs> 
You know, it, you, you, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. When you say things like that, I'll never do that. I'll never be like that. And then you find yourself walking it out because what are we doing? There's another verse that says, don't judge lest ye be judged. Come on, that one has been hitting me square in the face. When words are coming out of my mouth and I'm judging someone, the Lord's like, hey, look, the log is in your eye. You're looking at the speck in their eye, but you need to take the log out of your own eye. And so often what has hurt us, we let determine how we behave, how we act, and we don't even realize we're doing it. And we're robbing ourselves and the people around us of joy and freedom and peace and Jesus because he walked around with love and care. And I I think about him sometimes and he blows my mind. He never looked at one person with judgment, but with mercy, kindness, and love. And he only called out the religious people who were flowing around their religion to try and beat people in order. He walked in mercy. He said, mercy is better than sacrifice. I want to be like him when I grow up. God wants to recycle the emotional garbage in your life and bring his good out of it. I love that line. That's Rick Warren. He wants to recycle the emotional garbage and bring his good out of it. And what have we been saying? He turns all things for the good. So when you turn to him and you turn away from the unforgiveness, when you turn to him and you repent of what you've done or what somebody else has done and you react, and when you go to him, he forgives you quickly, immediately, it's done. And he sets you on a path to freedom. Put your heart right, reach out to God, then face the world again, firm and courageous. Then all your troubles will fade from your memory, like floods that are past and remembered no more. Job 11, 13 through 16. How do you know you're free from someone hurting you or you hurting someone? You don't remember it anymore. You don't think about it anymore. It doesn't keep coming back up and you don't relive it over and over again anymore. But what does the beginning of this verse say? Put your heart right and reach out to who? Reach out to who? Who do we need to help us with this? Did he say you have to do it on your own? Some of us have faced things that are so difficult and so painful. And I like what Travis said. We actually had an argument about this last night. Because I love that verse 70 times 7 because it gives me an excuse to hold on to the hurt and not forgive the first time. Are you hearing me? I said that fast. It gives me an excuse to hold on to the hurt and not forgive the first time. When Jesus said, forgive 70 times 7, I'm like, oh, good. Okay, I've got like 500 more to go. That was way over, but no. And he's like, no, Leslie, it's, you, you forgive immediately. And then, I, but I said, but, but, but you don't understand. The pain comes back. The hurt comes back. And then, and then, and then I, I, I hear it again. Or I hear that voice again, or I see that person again, and it hurts again. And I have to forgive again. And he said, remember, Jesus looks at you and he forgives you immediately, instantly, done. He doesn't remind you, Rose, you did that. Remember how you did that? And remember how you did that? And remember how you did that? He doesn't do that. And so we are growing to be more like our Savior, our King of kings and our Lord of lords. And he wants us completely and utterly free. So we walk with him, and yes, somebody who continually forgive, for, injures you continually. If you're in a relationship or you have a family member you can't get away from because you're blood, and there's a continual hurt going on, what do you need to do? Forgive, forgive, forgive. Pray for them. Bless them. I'm telling you what, I've seen God do this in situations in my life where I've forgiven even though the hurt continues, even though the pain continues, even though the remorse is still there, they're, they're, they're still trying to hurt me, and I continually have to extend that forgiveness over and over and over again, and then I pray for them and pray that the miraculous happens in that relationship, yes? And he comes. It may take years, but where do you go? You go to him, not to them. You don't try to fix them, you go to him. Okay, I'll stop now. All right. Three steps. Put your heart right. Release and forgive. Reach out to God. You cannot manufacture enough forgiveness to forgive all those who have ever hurt you. Who do we need help from? And then face the world again. Don't withdraw. Don't hide. 
you live again. Amen? And what happens? The memory will fade. Rick, will you come on up? We've been having a testimony every Sunday. And Rick's been walking the road to recovery. And uh, he's going to share from his heart about this very word today. And I think he's very brave, don't you guys? Because this is a tough one. Okay. I think Leslie uses this uh, phrase a lot. It's about to get real. So I'm going to get real right now. And I pray that this message, uh, if it connects with you, um, I'll be around. So, um, since I've been in Celebrate Recovery, some very amazing things have happened to me personally. Uh, so, first of all, I just want to describe, uh, for those of you who don't know, I worked in the corporate world for many, many years. And uh, so I ran my personal life much like a CEO would. And so I have uh, five sons, uh, two, uh, one that's 40 and one that's 38 from a previous marriage. And uh, the two oldest uh, were part of a previous marriage and it ended in a divorce. And uh, when my dad was alive, I could literally celebrate Father's Day because he was alive. I, could, I felt like I could be with my father. And then when he passed, I felt like Father's Day for me was a day just to hide because they never knew me as the man of God that I feel I am today, mainly because I didn't know God. So my second oldest son has not spoken to me for almost two years. I do not know where my grandchildren are. I cannot even send a gift because I don't know their address. But during Celebrate Recovery, God showed me that he would cause a change of heart that I could not change, that I had to give it to God. And that's one thing that I never really understood. If somebody said, give it to God, I just wanted to slap them upside the head and say, I have no idea what you're saying to me. But in Celebrate Recovery, I felt like I don't have any control over this. I can't, I can't fix the past. All I can do is give it to him. And I just started to just pray about it. And he said, just send messages to your son through the number you have and let me take care of the rest. So I've been doing that. It's been simply things like, I love you. It's been something like, I hope you're well. Um, and I don't worry about it anymore. And it's kind of been an amazing metamorphosis where I would carry this guilt all the time because I'm surrounded with young men all day. They may think I'm Rick the nice guy, but they didn't know Rick before. I wouldn't like Rick before. So then, so that's the story of forgiveness that has not come yet. And I'm faithful that that forgiveness will come. But this last week at Celebrate Recovery, actually it was two weeks ago, we had in, uh, this Thursday, well actually it started with Danielle and, uh, and Bradley's testimony is my son Luke, who I've raised since he was nine, and so I'm not going to tell the whole testimony because it's not fair because he's not here, but we've had a strained relationship, and that relationship was restored, and he came. we had this uh, amazing conversation where forgiveness had to be given on both sides, and the whole air in the house has completely changed, okay? And, and he would not have been here had not for Celebrate Recovery. So I just want to just say this because I feel like you guys need to hear this too. Maybe some of you are not comfortable with the Celebrate Recovery part of our lobby. I'm just going to say it that way. But we always tend to focus on the word, the negative word, recovery, instead of celebrate. Okay, so I'm going to have you think about 
what it's like to celebrate a victory, a recovery, a restoration, whatever you want to look at. Recovery is a much broader word than just simply recovering from an addiction. I didn't have an addiction by the definition that I gave it, but I had an addiction to my corporate identity, which I had to get rid of, and there's still consequences, okay? So I'm going to read this to you. Um, this is uh, out of Mark chapter 2, verse 15, because I think it does apply. Later, Jesus and his disciples went to have a meal with Levi. Among the guests in Levi's home were many tax collectors and notable sinners sharing a meal with Jesus. For there were many kinds of people who followed him. But when the religious scholars and the Pharisees found out that Jesus was keeping company and dining with sinners and tax collectors, they were indignant. So they approached Jesus' disciples and said to them, Why is it that someone like Jesus defiles himself by eating with sinners and tax collectors? But when Jesus overheard their complaint, he said to them, Who goes to the doctor for a cure? Those who are well or those who are sick? I have not come to call the righteous, but to call those who are sinners and bring them to repentance. That's the story of Celebrate Recovery. And I'm, a, you know, I can't tell you um, how much I'm so thankful that this church brought this ministry here because I didn't expect it, but I'm already seeing fruits that um, I can honestly say I will be for restoration and for celebration, and, and hopefully I'll be alive to see it. If not, I hope you'll be alive to see it. But thank you for your time. into a relationship with Jesus Christ today. You're invited into a relationship. So none of what we said today, you have to figure out on your own or do on your own. Amen? It's so good. And there's so much that he wants to do going forward. And all of us getting free and walking others into freedom, those chains falling, Amen. And all I can say is you're forgiven and I'm forgiven. Hallelujah. Isn't that good news? We have an altar team um, that is going to step forward here and be up here. If you need prayer and you want to confess and you want to talk to somebody, this altar team has been trained. They're new. Jane Miller is our leader of the altar ministry, and they're going to step forward. They're going to be up here. We're going to close the service, but you are welcome to join them for prayer. Okay? And in this moment, right now, let's close our eyes. Father, we turn to you and we examine our hearts. Let this be the beginning of many, many victories today. We don't stand in a place of defeat. We stand victorious because you paid the price. Now, God, as we receive your forgiveness, let us freely give forgiveness. Let us freely give what we have received. And, Father, I know you're a good dad. And if your children are in pain... You are right there, ready to heal, mend, restore, lift up out of bondage. And that's what we're here to do today is receive freedom and give freedom in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord.